Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. Welcome back to an all-new episode of Vicious Villains. I'm your host, Allie Porter, and I have come to you guys today with a really interesting and mysterious story of another crazy murderer. (laughs) So today we are going to be talking about Belle Guinness, and this is a murderer who lived a very long time ago. There's not a ton of intimate details about her life, but I think that it's a story that you guys are going to really like to hear nonetheless. So, without further ado, let's jump right in. And of course, you guys know that I like to start off our stories with a little bit of background about our killers. I think it really brings the whole story together to know about their upbringing and where they came from and how they became the person that they ultimately turned out to be. So, we are going to start this episode in the exact same way. So, we are going to begin by talking about the early life of Belle Gunness. So, Belle was born with the name Brynhild Paulstadter Storseth in Norway. She was born on November 11th, 1859. She was the youngest of eight kids in her family, so a very big family. And she began working at the age of 14. She started herding and milking cattle. Her family was very familiar with working on a farm, which is going to be important later on. So, in 1881, Belle moved to the United States to be with her sister Nellie in Chicago. This is when she changed her name to officially be Belle. She worked as a domestic servant, then she began working as a butcher. And it's very important to note that by the time Belle grew up, she was a very physically strong woman. She was five foot seven. She weighed somewhere between 210 and 250 pounds. Okay, so she was a pretty sturdy lady. So it's very important to remember that for later on in the story. So Beth would go on to marry a man by the name of Mads Dietlev Anton Sorensen in 1884. And they owned a candy store together, but it eventually burned down. And their home also burned down. And both events ended in insurance payouts for Belle, which is kind of a common theme in her story. So there were two babies that died in their care due to inflammation of the large intestine. And even though we don't know for sure, this kind of intestinal inflammation can be caused by poison. And it's also worthy to note that Bell collected life insurance payouts for both of these babies as well. The neighbors wondered where the kids came from because Belle had never appeared to be pregnant. And it's still kind of unknown to this day where these two children came from and how Mads and Belle became their caretakers. So Mads had two life insurance policies on him. On July 30th, 1900, one policy was due to end and another policy was due to begin all on the same day. 
He died on that day, that one single day where both insurance coverages were active. He died of a cerebral hemorrhage. Belle said that she gave him quinine powder for a headache that day. She checked on him later on, and he was dead. Belle collected money from both policies for the death of Mads, totaling about $5,000. So it's at this point in time that Belle decides to move to LaPorte, Indiana, and she bought a pig farm there. And remember, you know, Belle grow, grew up on a farm area and so she was very well acquainted with how to run a farm so moving on bell later on married a man by the name of peter gunnis on april 1st 1902 peter's infant daughter died one week after they got married while bell was taking care of her peter ultimately died himself eight months later due to a skull injury And Belle said that she saw a meat grinder fall down on his head, which smashed his skull. Very convenient. A coroner's jury was established to decide if this was a murder or not, but nothing ever came from the case. And of course, Belle collected $3,000 in life insurance policy money for Peter's death. So now Belle is single again. And she decides to start placing marriage ads in Chicago newspapers in 1905. One of these ads was answered by a man named Henry Gerholt, who is a Wisconsin farmhand. He ultimately decided to travel to LaPorte, Indiana to meet Bell. He wrote to his family and said that he liked farm life, that he was healthy, and he requested that they send him seed potatoes. But his family never heard from him again after this letter correspondence. So his family decided to get in contact with Bell to see what happened. Bell said that he had left with a group of horse traders to go to Chicago. Hmm, interesting. Ultimately, Bell decided to keep his overcoat and his trunk. So back in that time when a lot of people would travel, they would use trunks instead of suitcases. So she decided to keep his coat and his trunk. A Minnesota man named John Moe answered one of Bell's ads in 1906. He corresponded with her through letters and such for months and then decided to travel to LaPorte after withdrawing a large amount of cash to take with him. A carpenter who worked for Bell at the time observed John's trunk in her house along with several others and he was never seen again. Not the carpenter, John, just so we're clear. So something suspicious happened, and it's kind of the cornerstone of this whole story. Bell's farmhouse in Laporte burned down in April of 1908. And so police go to, you know, search out the place, see what's going on. And in the ashes, authorities found four bodies. And these bodies were assumed to be Bell and her three children. But upon further inspection, the partial remains of at least 11 more people were found. So police were contacted by someone by the name of Isle Helgeline. He found letters between his brother Andrew and Bell. Bell asked Andrew in these letters to move to Laporte and bring money and keep it a secret. 
So Isle and a former hired hand of his went to Bell's farm in search of Andrew because they hadn't heard from him in a long time. And they found these soft impressions, so kind of these dips in the mud, in the ground, in the hog pen of Bell's farm. So they decide to start digging one of them up to see what they could find. Inside one of these soft impressions, they found a gunny sack with, quote, two hands, two feet, and one head, end quote. And somehow, I was able to recognize these remains as his brother, Andrew. So later inspection revealed dozens more of these impressions in Bell's yard. Multiple burlap sacks were found in these impressions containing, quote, torsos and hands, arms, bone wrapped in loose flesh, end quote. Each body had been butchered the same exact way they had been decapitated. Their arms had been removed at the shoulders. Their legs had been severed at the knees. And there was blunt force trauma and gashes to their skull. On the first day of searching, police found five bodies on Bell's farm. On the second day of the search, they found six more bodies on the farm. There were some in the hog pen, some in shallow graves, and some were found near an outhouse or a lake. Police eventually stopped counting. They had found so many bodies. These discoveries led to the public changing their mind about Belle. At first, they thought she was just a praiseworthy woman trying to save her kids from a burning farm. Now, they thought differently. There was abundant news coverage of this case, which led to families trying to identify the bodies of loved ones that had been missing. But, unfortunately, most of the remains could not be identified at all. So let's talk about a man named Ray Lamphier. Ray Lamphier was a hired hand of Bell at the time, and he was also her on-again, off-again lover. So he was privy to intimate details of Bell's life. Ray was convicted of arson in November of 1908 in relation to the burning of Bell's farm. So somehow he ended up going down for this, in a sense. He later admitted that Bell was using the newspaper ads to lure in single men just to murder and rob them. He said Bell asked him to burn the farm down with her kids inside. Ray said that Bell's body was actually just another victim that was planted to throw off authorities. So he's saying that Bell didn't burn in this fire at all. Bell was given information that one of the victim's brothers was coming to search the farm to find his missing family member. Ray said that this impending visit motivated Bell to burn down the farm, fake her own death, and flee. When Way was arrested, he was wearing John Moe's watch. And remember John Moe? He was one of Bell's earlier victims. There was a journalist by the name of Edward Betchley, and he was assigned at work to find a confession of Bell's and publish it. This brought about a second story concerning Ray Lampfear, so things are kind of starting to shift with the facts now. This second story was inconsistent with what Ray had told police previously. This report stated that Ray had contacted a man by the name of Reverend Edwin Shell and gave him an oral confession as to what was going on at Bell's farm. 
Shell transcribed it and had Ray sign it. So he had it all typed out and Ray signed it, or written out probably. So the Reverend kept this confession sealed and locked away in his own personal safe in his office. So Edward was trying to convince Edwin to allow him to publish this second confession, but he was denied by Edwin and Edwin's wife. So a different newspaper ended up publishing a story speculating about Ray's second confession. So now that it was becoming popular that the second confession did exist, this convinced Edwin to allow Edward to publish the real confession. This was to get the real story across and to give families of the victims some peace of mind. When Edward published the confession, he wrote, quote, In the confession, Lamphere said that he had killed Mrs. Gunnis and children with an axe, sprinkled the bodies with kerosene, and set fire to them and the house. It gave details of the slaying and told of his part in the former murders, which occurred at the Gunnis farm his task usually being the burying of the bodies in the garden. The essential fact, however, was that the murderess was not alive as a fugitive, end quote. So this is kind of saying that Bell did die in the fire at the barn. The publication of Ray's confession led to the arrest of his accomplice by the name of Elizabeth Smith, so it's believed that she may have helped Ray burn the farm down. The inconsistencies between the two confessions remain to be unsolved historical issues to this day. Did Bell make it out of the fire, or didn't she? We may never actually know. Bell was pronounced dead, even though the doctor who performed her postmortem said that the corpse in question was five inches shorter than Bell and at least 50 pounds lighter. Hmm. No one ever said what happened to the missing head of this corpse, because remember, it was found headless. It's uncertain whether Bell escaped the fire or not. And of course, just like Elvis, there have been sightings of Bell in the Chicago area, and this carried on for years after she went missing and or died. Police looked into women suspected to be Bell many times, but none were ever the real thing. So, there were some DNA tests that were performed on the headless corpse in 2008. The DNA of the corpse was compared to some of Bell's DNA that had been found on a letter that she had sent to one of her victims. However, the sample couldn't be properly tested due to age. It was too old and it just couldn't be reliable anymore. So, what happened with the farm after Bell was gone? Well, the farm became a tourist attraction. It attracted people from all over due to its morbid history. And the LaPorte County Historical Society Museum still has a Bell Gunness exhibit in their museum to this day. So, I want to ask you guys a question. What happened to Bell? What do you think happened? Do you think she burned in the fire? Or do you think she got away to go on living her life? Maybe killing more people, maybe collecting more life insurance money. I mean, we don't really know. So I call you guys to join me in the conversation. Come talk to us on our Facebook page or our Instagram page at Vicious Villains and let me know what you think. Did she escape? Did she die? I really want to know how you feel. 
I personally think that she escaped the fire. I think she was a really smart, conniving woman, and I think she faked her death so well that people still question it to this day. So, with that being said, you guys, this is the end of our story today. I know this one was kind of short and sweet, but it didn't have a whole lot of, you know, really intimate details to go into the story. But plenty of facts remain in this story to make it interesting and make you question what really happened here. And I love a good mystery. So... Again, guys, tell me what you think on our social media pages. Thank you so very much for listening to our short and sweet episode this week. And, of course, join us for the next one later on. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I am your host. This is the Vicious Villains Podcast. I am Allie Porter, and I thank you very much. Stay safe out there, friends, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.